Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of right. grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I'm sitting down with Marley Grace, an artist, writer, community builder, and dancer. Her story is moving in so many ways. I would suggest you pull out a pen and your journal so that you can take some notes during our chat. This is Marley's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Marley, it's great to talk to you. Thank you for being here with me. Yes, I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, Before we get started and dive into our conversation, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. My name is Marley Grace, and I'm a writer and a dancer. Those are maybe the two things I identify with the most, Mm -hmm. and then I do... A lot of other things. I Right now, I, I facilitate an artist residency in a house in Michigan, and that's where I'm from. And so I'm, that's a project that I'm working on. I used to run an artist residency here between 2012 and 2016. So I'm always sort of like hosting, curating. I had a podcast for many years. I like to bring people together. I don't know if they made a job title for that yet, but that's also something that I do. And I, yeah, most of what, pretty much everything I do is, is improvised. That's what I study. That's what I research as a dancer is improvisation as a compositional form. And it sort of seeps into the rest of my life. And then, yeah, and being a creative advisor. So I work with other artists one-on-one and in online classes. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a writer of words, a dancer of dances, and a <laughs> supporter supporter of other artists. Awesome, which I absolutely love all of those things. I want to start with writing and how it came to be in your life and how it shows up now as you not only lean into it as an author but as a facilitator of community and helping other people find their voices. So how does writing play a role in how you move through the world these days? Yeah, I write for many different reasons and you know, I'm a I'm a really diligent morning page morning pages writer mm-hmm. and so every morning I write three pages and I do not I never reread those pages and I never save them. So there's many many a morning page book has been fuel for a fire mm-hmm. literally um mm-hmm. or recycled. <laughs> so I have I have a writing practice in that way that's just like getting my hand loose, getting my ideas out. And then I have, and then I try to write every day, whether it's for my newsletter or for a book I'm working on, or if I want to self-publish a zine or yeah, it's just a way for me to. And so I I feel like there's morning pages and then I also have like journaling where I'm like practicing. And then there's, there's writing for things that will be completed in, in the world. But 
Yeah, so writing is both therapeutic to me, but it's also my job and something that I love to do. So it it, it wears many hats as I do as well. And finding that balance of like writing for self and writing for the things we have to put out in the world has been really hard for me personally. How do you yeah. manage that? And maybe, you know, I should get better at my morning pages. I love that you said you don't go back and reread them because I know that's a rule. And I have mm-hmm. gone back and reread some of my morning pages and been like, oh, my God, why? Yeah. She said don't do that for a reason. I know. <laughs> I know. So so how, how, how do you find that balance of, like, writing for yourself and then writing for work? Yeah, you know, I... It, it's, it actually feels a little new to me to be like just in the past few weeks, even I've sort of just been writing like on my computer, like opening a Google doc and just naming it the day. Mm-hmm. And it sort of like has the energy of morning pages, but I am sort of like writing in a more poetic prose way where I'm like, I would maybe, you know, my morning pages are like, I can't believe I did this thing yesterday. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. more like deep emotional processing. It's true diary style. And so, yeah, I've sort of been finding this middle place of like, a lot of times I'm writing just to be like, okay, I need this to be for this chapter, for this specific thing and about this specific thing. And lately I've just been like, all right, I'm going to like marry the morning pages with writing a finished thing that I know what it will be and just like practice basically. And so, and with like, it it holds both the like maybe I'll never show anyone a lot of it and like maybe my editor will see it next week and so it's and then and yeah then then keeping the morning pages just for myself so something yeah. something I've really admired about you and your work over the years is how vulnerable you are with your story where you've mm-hmm. come from and your transitions through life um, something that holds deep space is a zine that you wrote about social media. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let you take the lead on that. But you've talked so much about balance and boundaries within social media, not letting it name you and claim you. Right. And also just Mm -hmm. trying to find your footing, especially when you are an artist who uses it to build community and sell things and, you know, just be in the digital space. So where did that zine come from, first off? And how are you navigating your use of social media these days? Oh, take takes a big breath. Mm. Um, let's see. So yeah, the zine was sort of made from this place of wanting wanting to feel better, which I think is where maybe a lot of my work comes from. It's like a pain, I feel a pain point in myself, I decide to share it and then usually it's, it resonates with a lot of other people and they're like, I think I just have, I'm, I was gifted with some weird, like a lot of people use that word vulnerability with like as, you know, attached to me, which is flattering and I think it's cool, but I, I don't necessarily feel that. I just mm-hmm. think I was like gifted something where like, I'm like ready to say it like two minutes sooner than everybody else. That's what I always say. Mm -hmm. And so then I say it and there's usually like literally hundreds to thousands of people who are like, that's what I'm feeling. And then they get to also be vulnerable about that experience. So I think that's, you know, part of my work in the world too, is like just being vulnerable first. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. um, and there's clearly people that I look to who are vulnerable before me and, 
and I get to follow in their lead, with their lead. But yeah, social media is uh, right now. I'm doing like really strict phone hours. So like, if anything, I think it needs to be earlier because I'm getting tired earlier. So I was like 10 p.m. phone off. But I think it really needs to be nine. Like I need no screens because I go to bed at like 11. So mm-hmm. I really want to mm-hmm. full two hours of like no phone. And to me, turning the phone off at night is mostly important for the morning because the morning is really where I want to look at the phone uh, in my bed and not get out of it for two hours. So and just scroll, 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 scroll. <laughs> and that wasn't really, and it's not perfect. It's like, you know, today I got up, made my tea, did my morning pages, pulled cards, did my daily readings, and then immediately grabbed my phone and mm. then just still scrolled for 45 minutes. And it wasn't the like the good kind. It was the like, I get to have my screen drug now. And mm. so mm. I'm constantly having to like pause and rewire and remake the rules and kind of reevaluate what's, what's working and what's not working. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love, and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions, and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, Find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. In our last conversation, you talked about your um, addiction and how you've moved through that and how dance has helped you be in your recovery and be in your body and be connected in ways that is different. Can you talk about that a little more? And then I want to definitely get to you being a teacher and Mm. teaching other people how to be in their bodies and move their bodies and truly embrace is is the word that's coming to mind, the now of, of life. Yeah. So dance 
you know, dancing reminds me of the way that I approach writing in this way that like, I really view dance as, you know, it is, it is my art practice. It's what I went to college for. It's what I study. It's what I love to teach, but it also definitely holds this sort of processing therapeutic quality to it. And so yeah, in 2015, I started a project called personal practice that exists on Instagram. And for about a year and a half, I posted a dance video every single day and in that year and a half, I was in a, I was married and in a partnership, and that marriage ended. And it was sort of this interesting, like it became this documentation project of like my life. And then I moved to California, so it became this. And then you know I moved back, you know, two years after that. So mm-hmm. it's, personal practice has. Con- I don't post every day, but it continues to be this sort of like amazing archive of what my life has looked like through movement. And yeah, I definitely going through that transition of that partnership and moving. uh, I got sober in May of 2011 from hard drugs and alcohol. And that, yeah, that was definitely the hardest time for me to stay sober was going through something so intense. And so dancing, yeah, it keeps me alive and in in many different ways. Something that you brought up when we last spoke that stuck with me is when you have dance students and they say things like, you know, that you've, you're brave and you're teaching them so much. And in our conversation, you said something along the lines of, but my students are teaching me so much. Mm. So let's talk about the community aspect of dance first, but then writing, because I find that when we have things in the world like books and workshops and classes, folks show up and and think that maybe we have all the answers that they don't or, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's this type of like hierarchy. And often, I mean, it's, it's never a hierarchy. It's all like we're learning together and we're on this process together. So what have, have your students taught you, number one, in dance class? And then two, what have your readers of your work, your new book, um, How to Not Always Be Working, um, is out and, and is just flooring the universe and teaching people how to self-care and slow down? So in those two moving parts, what, what are they teaching you about community and leaning into it? I love this. And it's it's interesting. My first feeling hearing you say all of that was like, oh, I have to let that information sink in more. And I think that can be part of the pain of social media addiction or constantly being on Instagram is like, it can be harder to like, let anything sink in really mm-hmm. to our like hearts and bodies. So I just want to say thank you for asking this question. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I do receive so much from the real world. In my dance classes, you know, I think, again, it's sort of like, I love teaching and think I'm, if I may say it, a great dance teacher, because Mm -hmm. I love to just hold the container for research, which is really what my, you know, teachers taught me. And so I think that there's sort of like, I'm, what I'm really good at is just holding this space. It's like, this is safe you are a dancer, even if you don't think you are, you get to generate your own movement material and share it with each other. And then when they step into that space, I'm just like, all right, what new space do I need to step into? Like they are constantly leveling me up Mm. because I'm just like, I might not be scared to go into the middle of the circle to do my solo, but I know that they're scared 
out of their minds. Mm -hmm. And so when they enter that circle that we're all holding space in and like literally just like dance a solo for a group of 30 people, I'm just like, wow, like this is so inspiring to me that people can push through because I think a lot of people who, again, come to my dance class are people who don't identify as dancers and and are afraid and are, are feeling, a, you know, a lack of embodiment in their life. Mm. And then, yeah, wow, my readers are just, I'm constantly totally in awe and blown away and definitely feel like, okay, I have this like divine responsibility to keep showing up and keep putting these words out, even if I'm like afraid that they're not good. Yeah. So I think I had a, I had a, um, I got an email recently from a a place in Milwaukee that's a center for survivors of domestic and family abuse. Mm -hmm. And it was a photograph of like all these women's hands. And it looks like a just, you can't like you can't see their faces it's just their hands like on top of my book and this like group of women survivors all like used my book in their book club to talk about how self-care and making art and protecting their work is something that like no one can take away from them Mm. and I was just like wow I was like okay like I'm gonna all right like I you know you we just we don't know I could have never known that that's who that book would read. Right. And so I think it's just important to me to keep being able to like channel my higher power through writing and dance and that, and then bring it to the people. Cause I just, I never know. I don't know who it's for. Right. And, and I love getting surprised. Do you love discovering new products? Are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing? Ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have? Then you might love FabFitFun. It allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college, maybe, or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue, and it's shaped like the flower, and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200-plus in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between $269 to $467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it, such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo tie-dye bowls. Many of the products' individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one. Or you can be surprised. It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. 
The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Isn't it really, I don't know if humbling is the right word, maybe it is, to know that our stories can settle so like sweetly into the hearts of other people, even though mm. maybe in the moment we were writing them just for us or just, yeah. you know, for our our healing process or our processing, right? But yeah. then someone else sees it, be it dance or be it a book, and they're like, that's me. That's my story. How has that shaped the way you move through the world as an individual, but also as a professional person who shows up for people? Like, it's just, I don't know if that's the the, the title I'm even looking for, but we are professional show-uppers, you know, like it's... Yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you for finally figuring that out. For naming that, right? Yeah, for naming that. we, We have... I feel like it's my duty to show up. And then when I meet people like you, it's like they're showing up too. And, and yeah. they, and it's that it's their duty to show up. How do you feel about that balance and how do you create, maybe this is a better question. How do you create boundaries around how you show up when you show up and who you're showing up for? Whew, that is the, <laughs> Sorry, that was that a lot. Like, no, that's, that's good. It's good. Yeah, this is my real work just in the past month, really. I've been, like, really called to look at these questions in my love life, in my relationships, my friendships, my business, my art practice. Is like, you know, I like to be surrounded, whether it's my digital friends or my real-life friends, by people who are showing up, Mm -hmm. and that can look really different. And I think people can show up and be like a mess at the same time. But yeah. if you, it's like, bring bring the mess, you know, no hiding. And so I think that sometimes I've definitely seen in the last and I think that's like, I'm, all, you know, turning 30, I'm almost 31. I think it's like my age a little bit and like, where I am maybe in my career and where I want to go. And that I just I don't really want to apologize anymore. I want to mm. like get certain parts of my own life together while honoring that like it'll never be together you know it's like that balance but yeah I tend to to gravitate towards other people who are showing up and that's who I think are usually drawn to me are people who are like maybe one step behind that who want to want to work with me or read my book or are drawn to the way that I speak because they're usually also ready to be like all right I'm ready to show up and I think for me like my sobriety is a big part of that. Being queer is a big part of that. Well, mm-hmm. You know, anything that makes me feel maybe like invisible in the world as an addict or a queer person, it's like, okay, I'm going to show up even more because, yeah. you know, there's so many others who have that story who don't feel seen. Mm-hmm. That, that part, that mm-hmm. others not feeling seen and then mm-hmm. deciding to be the one who's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for those who, who are deciding, you know, they're not ready to stand up yet. And I think yeah. that's that's really major. Before we wrap up, 
I want to talk a little bit about healing and what healing looks like for you day to day, but also as you continue to walk through, you know, things that maybe are triggering or past mm. traumas and how you're how you're self-caring, how you are self-caring for you as you move through your healing process. You know, a big healing self-care tactic for me has been phone calls with friends Mm -hmm. has been really important to me the last few weeks. I feel like especially it can be, there's just so many people in my life, whether it's literally just like newsletter subscribers or people on the internet or people who are like speaking to me every day that I really have to like root down and be like, who are the people that love me unconditionally that really know me, that really know my pain and what I'm going through And then to call those people and usually start with like checking in on them. Mm. And then usually that gets me out of my shit really fast. And then I can be available for them. And usually they're like, I really needed you right now. And I was like, yes. Okay, great. And then, you know, (laughs) there's a mutual exchange. But I think just like calling someone and asking them how they are and creating space for both parties is really helpful. I've been dealing with a lot of like fine pain as indicators of emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And so I have a pretty, I get a lot of, I get craniosacral therapy and Reiki pretty regularly to like both ease the the chronic parts of the pain and to get to the source of what's happening. And so, yeah, part of my moving back to Michigan for this couple seasons, I think I'll be here for another couple months, has been to just sort of like dig through some money stuff and some physical stuff and to just heal and get some things on track so that I can be more available to the world because there's a lot of ways that I'm not, you know, my full, at my like full wellness level. Mm -hmm. And I've also just had to be really patient because it feels slow sometimes Mm -hmm. and to just know that it's on time. The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.